Welcome to Step Monsters, a podcast all about the highs and lows of step parenthood. I'm Elise and this is Bailey. We're two friends bonded by this crazy stepmom world. So welcome back. Welcome to our second episode of Step Monsters. Today we're going to touch a little bit on moving in together as a blended family. So moving in either with your stepkids or your stepkids moving in with you. So why don't we kick it off by Elise, you telling us a little bit more about how it was when you moved in and what it's like living with your stepkids now. Yes, it was interesting because when Joe and I started dating, like we talked about last time, we were four hours away from each other. So I obviously had my own place and then he had the house that he had lived in with his ex-wife. So initially when I moved to Chicago and you know moved into the marital home, the girls were super happy and they were happy to have a female back in the house, you know, someone that they could ask at any time to go do their nails or get their nails done or um, just do curly stuff. So I think it was definitely initially like a super positive, fun thing for them. I'm not sure in the beginning that we really had any lows just because of the nostalgia of it all. I will say that there were times where it would be frustrating because you go from when you're together, it's just the two of you. And then when you move in together, you have the kids with you at certain times, which, you know, is interesting to change the dynamic so quickly to have to have those evenings where you might have a kid crawl in bed with you. And I didn't know what to do because you know, they're not my children, but they want to cuddle in bed with us. So stuff like that, that we had to talk about and sometimes tell them, you know, you've got to stay in your own room. It's not really appropriate for you to be in bed with us. And so they would get angsty about that. But as time went on, of course, there were new dynamics living together and we decided to move into our own home. And that was hard for the kids, although I think that they were also excited. So yeah, that's been kind of some of the initial phases of when we moved in together and then how that's changed over the years, which we can get more into later on. Yeah. What was the house like when you moved into it? I have a a reason for asking and a story to tell on that, but what did it look like? And, you know, was it sort of bare bones and seeming and feeling like someone had definitely moved out and taken a lot? Or was your husband really good about making sure that it was homey feeling and felt normal? Well, it's funny that you ask that because this answer might surprise you. When Joe and I were dating and the first time I came up to Chicago to stay the weekend with him, I walked into the house and I thought, okay, there's no way that this guy is straight. He definitely has to be gay. This house is decorated way too well. Or like he's had a lot of help. And he said, no, I, you know, I did it all myself. I, he did a bunch of remodeling after the divorce and changed not everything, but some things that were more to his style Um, I I don't doubt that girls that he dated helped him with some of these pieces and he just didn't want to give up that, you know, he had done it all himself. So yeah, no, the house was very tastefully done and he did a good job of making sure that it didn't feel like a bachelor pad. I will say like when you go to a fraternity house and there's no decorations on the walls, no drapes, you know, kind of like you said, bare bones style. Okay, so I can totally relate to that. And I will tell you part of the reason that I asked. So I'll I'll get to that in just a minute. But when we were talking about moving in together, I lived in an apartment by myself. And he obviously was living in the home that they lived in together for probably 12 years. So that was the house that the kids grew up in and for the most part knew as their home. And 
we were coming back from a trip in Florida. I think it was, we went to Walt Disney world with the kids. It was our first big trip together. And shortly after that, both of the kids had asked, why don't, why don't you just move it? And why don't you just stay here? Which as someone who is new and kind of awkward coming into a family, that was such a nice thing to hear them say. I mean, we were so patient and we had waited so long for them to be ready to sort of take those really big steps and make those moves. So it felt really good that they also wanted me to be there and we weren't shoving anything down their throats, so to speak. But when I moved in, it was very evident that it had been someone's house prior and that there was previously a woman living there. But she had taken most of the decorations with her when she moved out. Because when I moved in, there was like comic book posters on the wall and just not a lot of decorations, generally speaking. Little things that I think we as women think about and see, but men don't necessarily, either they don't care or they just don't notice small things like that. So the kids still to this day will joke about, remember what the house looked like before you moved in? There were Frankenstein and Spider-Man posters on the wall. Remember that? <laughs> Look how nice our house looks now. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty funny. But yeah, it was interesting for me to move into a house that was very obviously, like I said before, someone's house that they lived in together. I mean, I... I found myself struggling a little bit because everywhere I would turn, I would think to myself, was there a memory that they created here together? And what did this look like when they sat down for dinner? And, you know, where did everybody sit on these couches when they were watching TV? And it was really hard to not think about that kind of stuff. And I, as much as I tried to just put it behind me, I, I really couldn't necessarily feel like it was ever going to be my home. So eventually, I think it was probably after two years of living there, the market was great where we live. And we decided it was probably a time for us to buy a house of our own. And this was actually before we even got engaged. But we knew that that was where this was headed. So we decided to put the house on the market and buy a house of our own. And I would say that was probably a pivotal moment for me where I felt like what we were building, what we were creating was actually ours. It wasn't just their house that I moved into. And I didn't feel like an imposter in my own home anymore. So that was refreshing for me. Well, I'll say this, and I don't know if this is something that you dealt with as well, but when I was moving all of my stuff in, there were drawers in the bathroom that had stuff that she had, just, like junk that she had left, and he just never cleaned it out because he wasn't using that side of the bathroom. And so he probably never had even opened it to know that there was anything in it. So one of the big things for me was I didn't want it to be the same setup that they had when she was living there. So we switched vanities. He, I let him have the big vanity. I took the small one. Same thing with other spaces in the house that would be generally for a woman, like in the closet, the bigger space. I'm like, you have more clothes. And he probably has no idea that that's why I did that. I don't think that I ever verbalized it to him. I just was like, no, you can have it. That's fine. I don't need that side of the, the bathroom. So things like that, that I didn't want it to be me using the stuff that she used before that I knew, but it was very awkward cleaning out her old makeup stuff or stuff that she had gotten from the dermatologist. And I'm like, well, I'm finding out a lot about this woman that, you know, things that you never actually like you who rummages through their friend's like old makeup junk, you know, so it was kind of interesting and a bummer that I was the one that had to do it. I wish that was on Joe, but I think that, you know, he didn't want to have to do that. So, but yeah, no, it was interesting moving in, going through all the stuff, found their wedding book with their pictures, just stuff like that, that you want to get rid of, but you know, the kids are going to want. And so what did you do with the wedding book and with all of that when you found it? Cause we, we, 
went through the same thing. I found all of these old photos and all of these memories, a wedding book. So what did you do with yours? I initially had asked the girls, you know, is this something that you want to keep in your room? Would you like me to keep it for you and make sure that it's taken care of? And and they, I think at that time, were young enough that they didn't really understand. And so they had said, oh, just, you know, you can keep it, whatever. So even when we moved houses, I made sure as much as Joe was like, I don't get why we're keeping this. I said, I think it's important for the kids and we'll just keep it in the garage and the box that it's in. You know, we don't have to look at it. No big deal. What about you guys? Yeah, we found the obviously the wedding book and wedding pictures and all of that. And I gave the kids the option, mostly his daughter, because she's, you know, the only female and really girls care more about that kind of stuff than men do anyways. But I gave her the option too. And I said, you know, is this something you want to keep? And she said, yes. And I kept it in our bedroom at our last house. But when we moved into this house, she ended up with the luck of the draw on a big walk-in closet. So I just put it for her safely on the top shelf of her closet and said that she can keep it. And I think even still to this day, she's not really sure why she's keeping it and not really sure why it should be important. But I think someday she would regret not having those memories for whatever reason. I mean, I, I think I still have photos from my mom and my dad's wedding, even though they're long divorced for uh, 32 years. But for some reason, it just, I don't know, I don't want to get rid of them. It feels like history. It feels like a past that you might want to look back on someday. I don't know. Yeah. And here's the thing. It may have come to an end, but at some point it was somewhat happy, somewhat loving, and they're created because of that situation. So, and like you said, it's history, even if it doesn't turn out the way everybody wants it to, it's still a happy memory to look back on. And she'll be able to see the day that, you know, her parents got married. And I think that's important. And we as women probably recognize that more than men. And like you said, if I had a stepson, I wouldn't even be concerned because he's never going to care about that. Never. Nope. Not a thing. (laughs) I will say though, and I don't know if you felt the same way, but it was weird finding it and looking through the pictures because you hear the stories of the divorce and why everything didn't work out. And then you see these happy photos and odd moments, but very odd done there, you know, been there, done that. Yeah. Very odd. It's so weird to be on the other side of that and to be looking at those pictures and thinking, how can they have been so happy? And then how did we end up where we are now? But then also you feel a little weird looking at these pictures. You're like, I shouldn't, this feels like I'm invading somebody's privacy and I shouldn't be looking at this. But at the same time, it's in your house and you can't necessarily help it. It's just there. Like you said about rummaging through her stuff. It's not like you proactively went to rummage through somebody else's, your you know, your husband's ex-wife's things. It's just that it was there and it was in your space and you needed to remove it. I mean, we've, we've still to this day in our now house that we've moved find things where I know they were things that she bought when she lived at the last house and they just somehow migrated to our house now. But the biggest thing for me is they're just things. So I remind myself that they're material things. They're not important, you know, who cares who bought a pair of mittens that the kids still have or want to keep? And if they decide that they want, because they have a little sister on the other side now. So if they decide they want her to have some of the stuff that they used when they were younger as like a hand-me-down, then so be it. So I always have to constantly remind myself that, or I will get sucked up in the, we have to burn all of this. (laughs) Burn it all (laughs) to the ground. (laughs) Um, So you had mentioned something kind of interesting. You had mentioned that the girls wanted to come sleep in bed with you. And that's something that 
in a normal household happens often. I mean, kids kids get scared. They can't sleep. They want to come sleep in bed with mom and dad. But when you're a stepmom or even a stepdad, that type of thing, to your point, is just really not appropriate. But I'm curious to know what other things came up with you and the household that would typically be okay as a mom, but either felt wrong or shouldn't necessarily happen with someone that was a bonus mom? I think that the biggest struggle that we had, especially with the parenting agreement, there being times where dad wants to go to dinner with his friends and stay home with mom, but mom's not mom, mom's the stepmom. So you know, if he's away for a certain amount of time, then they go back to mom's house. We didn't ever really understand that. Or if he was out of town um, and had, you know, a dinner planned on a Monday night for several hours, why wouldn't it be appropriate for me to pick them up and take them to dinner with their brother and be able to have that time still? Just because dad's not here, we're still their family. So I think it's some of those pieces that since I'm not the bio mom, in the legal sense, you don't really have as much importance. And even with their brother, uh, same thing. Mom takes precedence. Parents take precedence over secondary family. So I think that's been the biggest struggle for, for us. What about for your situation? Yeah, we dealt with that a little bit when the kids were younger. There was an agreement, I think, in their divorce that said if the kids needed a babysitter for longer than X amount of hours that their mom got the first right of refusal, essentially, right. and got got to be the one to say no. There weren't a lot of times where the kids were with us where my husband had to be away. We were tried to be as cognizant as possible when those weeks were. We have 50-50 custody so that we could plan any other work outings or anything like that around that. So there was never really a moment for me to be alone with them early on, which was great for their agreement. And for the most part, kept arguments away from from us so that it was never something that she could hold against him or me. But there were things that as the kids got older that I wanted to do with them. Like, for example, my stepdaughter, she's now 19, but the older she got, the more she enjoyed things like makeup and things like shopping. And I, of course, wanted to be able to do those things with her and buy her makeup when the time was appropriate and take her shopping. And there were several times when she was a teenager where I would take her shopping and buy her things that I thought were completely appropriate for someone of her age, 15, 16, 17. And for whatever reason, it caused an issue. It didn't matter. I mean, it could have been a nun suit for... <laughs> All I know, and it still would have been absolutely not. That is not appropriate. Take it back. And there was really no winning there for me. I mean, her mom's household was a household where up until recently, leggings are not considered pants. Leggings are only worn when you're going to yoga or to any other workout. In my household, leggings are 100% pants. I'm wearing leggings right now, and they have always been considered pants for me. As, lo as long as you can't see anything that I wouldn't want the world to see, why are they? not pants. So that's just one example where we just had two completely different outlooks on what was appropriate and what was not. So I think it was when my stepdaughter was 17. So she it was less than a year before she turned 18. I told her, you know what? The issue is just not worth it. I'm not going to go shopping with you from now on. If you want to go clothes shopping, you can go with your dad alone or you can go with your mom alone. But I'm going to have to remove myself from the situation because I don't want to cause an issue. 
And it's just not worth it. I mean, you have nine months until you turn 18 and then in theory can choose your own clothes. So those are just things that I didn't expect to have to deal with, nor did I really know how to fumble my way through that until I got knocked back down a couple times and really had to do some self-reflecting on, gosh, am I am I raising someone who looks like a total hoochie right now and what, she, what she's wearing? But really, she wasn't. It just, I think the bigger issue was it, it was me behind the purchases, not necessarily what the clothes were. Yeah, several things come to mind for me about that. And it's interesting because at one point, I had asked their mom for coffee and she obliged and the girls knew they were really excited. Are you guys going to become best friends? And I said, no, I don't think we're going to become best friends, but it might help just us to have a better relationship. So they were, the kids were really excited about that. And I knew within the first five minutes of sitting down that she had a, an MO and it part of the conversation was nice because some of these things that you deal with, like the girls hadn't matured yet and become women. And so she kind of told me how she wanted me to fit into that and what her expectations were. And even though I knew she was probably saying that she was more comfortable with my involvement than knowing her what she would be. So I knew I'm going to back off on this one, right? Same as you. Not, It's not worth the preemptive energy for an argument and um, a hostile situation. And then even, you know, homecoming, dress shopping. Mom's not the most stylish. She tries. So, you know, I think I kind of win in that category and the, the kids are attuned to that and wanted me to take them dress shopping. And I, that's something you need to do with your mom. As someone who, you know, I, I did those things with my mom. I think that it's important that even if that's not what they want, those are things that you have to do with your mom and that are important and memory makers. So until I got to that point where I realized all of that, same as you, I mean, it was like argument after argument. So another thing that comes to mind is food is a big challenge in our house. Same. Yeah. What is it about the food? I don't understand. It's like such issues are created over food to the point where I feel bad, but I have had to take photos of our pantry and refrigerator and say, we have plenty of food. I don't know what this food issue is. So at one point, I think the kids therapist recommended that we like a restaurant, just make individual meals for everyone. And I'm rolling my no, eyes going, no, not how I want to run my household. That's not going to work. Absolutely so. not. I can't imagine a therapist. Here's the thing about that comment is I cannot imagine a therapist making a recommendation like that to a bio mom and saying, hey, I know your kids are picky eaters, but why don't you make them individual meals? Could you imagine that? That's just not advice that a therapist would give to someone who is just a biological mom trying to figure out how to feed kids who are picky eaters and very particular with what they eat and when they eat it. And I mean, that's just kids. So it's always annoying to me how you sense a little bit of bias between therapists sometimes and they give you a recommendation that they would normally never give, which I you know circumstances change and you know there are certain things that warrant altering how you would normally parent. But that's one of those things where I'm like, I no, I'm not going to teach them that wherever they go in life, they're going to have a restaurant menu to choose from. Right. And then when they become parents, is that the expectation that they're going to have for their kids? That's not the norm that you want to set because that's just not how things go in a normal structure. I think that even though therapists are pretty educated in their craft and, and what they do, there's still this interesting dynamic that not a lot of people spend time thinking about. Well, about half of marriages end up in divorce. And so why is there not more done, especially on the therapy side? 
side is people are getting more accustomed to self-help and going and talking with someone and even, you know, like a life coach. I think I wish that there was more that they did on the back end to try to help our situation when we send our kids to try to get some comfort from someone else. Yeah, I agree with that. With the food stuff, were there major differences between the food at your house and the food at bio mom's house? So my husband loves to cook. He will make a gourmet meal every night because it's like his therapy and he just really enjoys doing it. Lucky lady. Lucky lady. (laughs) Well, um, I'll take a photo and send it to you of the kitchen after he's done cooking, which I'm, you know, our, our thing is you cook, I clean up the dishes. I still sometimes cook, but I clean up as I go. It's just who I am. Same. I do the same thing. I don't leave, but yeah. You're no, either not, men are not the same. <laughs> yeah, they're not. But so he would make these gourmet meals and they would not like the broccoli or the chicken was too dry or whatever it was. And then, you know, mom's making, oh, you want some frozen mac and cheese? I'll pop it in the microwave or chicken nuggets, hot dogs, things that kids like, which we totally could do. But we're thinking, well, we only have you for couple nights a week for dinner. So we'll go all out and steak, salmon. But um, it got to the point where all they wanted was sushi. They wanted us to order sushi. And that was even now, like if I asked them, what do you want to do for dinner? Can we do sushi? So we had sushi last night. So, you know, it is what it is. I think we've learned to navigate it and it's gotten better over the years. Thankfully, fingers crossed it stays that way. But how's this food situation with you guys? The food situation is weird with us. We are very much the house where we have the chicken nuggets and we have the Pop-Tarts, but we also cook. I love to cook. My dad is a chef and I grew up eating good food. So I like to cook and it took me many years to figure out what good food was to both me and them. But it's interesting because their mom is not a huge cook. So she's she definitely does the mac and cheese. But on the flip side, she won't allow anything but like the organic runny peanut butter in their house. She doesn't allow normal peanut butter because that will give you cancer. And she used to get mad at my stepdaughter for drinking an energy drink when she was 17 because those are just terrible for you. And while I do agree, yes, energy drinks are bad for you. Sorry, going to kill any opportunity of an energy drink sponsor right here. (laughs) But everything in moderation, that's my mentality. If you had three energy drinks a day, yes, that's terrible. But if you have one a week, not that bad. It's not going to give you cancer, not one a week. But we still deal with the differences between household food. You know, I think at this point, they've finally gotten to the place where there are things that they've come to learn to enjoy about coming to our house as it relates to food, like things that they get here that they know they don't get at their mom's. And then on the flip side, I think she's also figured out how to make food somewhat enjoyable for them. So they, if I had to evaluate everything that they ate between our house and their house, I'm willing to bet they would be completely different diet, but they've found joy in each of those to some extent. So it's different. And it caused, I think, more issues when they were younger than it does now. But we're completely different households when it comes to food in every sense. Yeah, I think the biggest change for us was we were in a pretty high conflict custody battle for about a year and a half. So on certain things, it would be heightened because, well, we've got to look for negative things for dad and saying, you know, there's no food at their house. There's nothing we can eat, even though they're teenage girls who are fully capable of opening the refrigerator and and making their food, but just certain things that I think wouldn't have been such a big issue if we weren't in that scenario. Because like you said, they're just normal things. Teenagers don't want to cook for themselves. 
they want the easy stuff, which now that we, you know, have a five-year-old, we do the chicken nuggets and hot dogs. And I worry about him choking on the hot dog and cut it up like a complete (laughs) psychopath. (laughs) But again, these are things that I always think in my mind, is this going to matter in five years? Even though it drives me insane, is it going to matter in five years? So I like grit my teeth and made it through somehow without losing my mind. Or maybe I did lose my mind. Who knows? Here we are. So what is your custody split now? And is it the same as it's always been or has it changed? No, it changed not a lot. We went for 50-50. We had the standard kind of, you know, every other weekend, Friday to Monday before with a Thursday overnight on our off weeks and a Monday dinner. And with everything that that transpired and we kind of put our hands up in the air and and said, we just can't A, afford to fight anymore. And it's emotionally taken such a toll on our household. And I think it was really hard on the kids. They had started to say some pretty negative stuff about us that wasn't accurate. So after a year and a half, we decided that we didn't want to fight anymore. We wanted to be out of court. We were spending pretty substantial amounts of money and the kids emotionally were in a bad spot and saying things that no kids should have to say about one parent or the other. And we just were ready for everyone to be normal again. It was a tough time. So we changed our custody agreement for the sake of everyone and have them now every other weekend, Saturday overnight, uh, Monday dinner, we gave up a week of our vacation in the summer. So we have instead of two weeks in the summer, we have one week, our holiday schedule stayed the same. We added on a day for them to be here with their brother for his birthday. So that was a plus. But really, in the grand scheme of things, it was very hard for us. And we thought this is going to be so hard. We're never going to see the kids. But now that we're living in it, it really doesn't feel that different because what's one overnight versus two overnights? You still see them every week. And And by some of the background noise, they're with you now. (laughs) Yes, they are currently running around the house. They're cooking dinner for us tonight. So we got them. That's so cute. They're really into Harry Potter. So we got them these Harry Potter cookbooks. And then when you text me earlier, I was at the store because they had to get all the ingredients and it's stuff that should be interesting because like pomegranates, I have no clue what they're making, but apparently they're taking a break from cooking and running around like crazy people upstairs. (laughs) Well, at least it sounds like they get along well and they're having fun. They all love each other so much, which is amazing. That's adorable. Most of the time I can say the same. They're biologically related, fully blood brother and sister but let me tell you those teenage years they can be rough (laughs) brother and sister they're just so mean to each other sometimes it actually blows my mind I mean I have I have a brother but I have he's a half brother and then I have two half sisters but I really only grew up with my half brother and we're almost nine years apart and we didn't really get along mostly because I think there was just such a significant difference in our age We, we never really had anything in common but he also just was annoying to me and I was kind of just a bratty teenager in general but man and seeing these two together, they're just brutal to each other. There's nothing off limits in terms of names that they call or what they say to each other. And every now and again, someone's feelings get hurt. So question for you, when they're arguing, do you interject or you, do you just let them argue? It depends on how nasty it gets, to be honest with you. Most of the time they stand up for themselves, but we definitely have lines in our household. Like we don't call each other fat or we don't comment on each other's appearance and we don't tolerate cussing at each other or just being like ridiculous. So 
my husband and I both, when things get pushed a little bit too far, we'll usually intervene and give like the dirty mom look or dirty dad look that most definitely says you need to knock it off or that's pushed the line a little bit too far. Yeah. So I used to be more of the disciplinary in our household because I don't know. I'm just, I'm the more outspoken one as a parent. I'm the same way with our son. But what I've learned is that created issues for us, not for Joe and I, but the kids did not like that. And I never got the, well, you're not my mom, which I'm surprised. I'm actually shocked. I didn't either. I'm actually surprised too. Whenever I talk to other stepmoms, that's usually one of the main things that the kids use as a comeback is, well, you're not my mom. You can't tell me what to do. But I, you and I, I think are lucky in that sense. We never really had that. Well, but I, I got the funniest comeback, one that I could have never anticipated, but our youngest um, daughter, when she was little, she was probably, I don't know, seven or eight. And this goes back to when I first, you know, started living in the house and I was working. So I was helping pay the bills. So while it wasn't a house that I had purchased, I was contributing. I'll never forget. And I've told her this now that she's older and she forgets, but we were in the basement and we had been playing and I said, well, let's pick up your toys. You know, we'll go upstairs. Well, I don't want to pick up my toys. I'm like, well, yeah, you got to help me pick up your toys because, you know, you played down here. We had fun, but it's time to clean up. She goes, well, I don't have to listen to you because you don't pay for this house. And I said, oh, "Oh, do you pay for this house? And she said, yes, I pay a dollar. (laughs) Wow. And I mean, it was one of those moments where it was so sassy, but so original And she's so much like me. It took everything I had not to laugh. And I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to respond to this. But what do you even say to that? (laughs) Well, I think I ended up saying, well, you know, I work and I do contribute to the house. So, you know, you got to help clean up. We made a mess. Let's clean it up. And she was like, "Eh, okay, I don't want to argue about it anymore. Yeah, that's good. My my husband, I, I was lucky. My husband was always very supportive whenever I had to discipline which was rare. I mean, we talked a lot early on when it came time for me to set my boundaries and for me to give direction in the house that he would always at least publicly back up whatever I said and whatever I did to make sure that they knew that my word was just as strong as his. But then we also had that same conversation at one point where I was like, I need to take a little bit of a step back from being that disciplinarian because they have to love you. You're their biological parent. And that's just how that goes. But they are making a choice to love me or like me. So the less things I can do to rock that boat, but still make sure that I'm setting boundaries and still make sure that, you know, I don't become a doormat of any kind. That was really important balance for us to find. But I will tell you, if we didn't have husbands that we could communicate in that way with, or that were as supportive in front of the kids as some others do, it would have been a real rough go. I completely agree. And I absolutely agree with you that it is a choice for them to love us. And so we've got to be cognizant of the differences of being a biological parent and being a step parent, but also there's the respect piece. You've got to raise your kids to be respectful of adults. And I think that we both do a really good job of making sure that, like you said, we're not doormats and you can't just say whatever you want to me, but we've got to have respect for one another. That's totally important. Yeah, that's that's always been a staple and a theme in our household. But we're we're here. We've got one out of the house and another one hopefully on his way at some point. Now, what is that like? So I always wonder once they are out of the custody agreement and they're not obligated to go here, go there, do this, do that. 
What does that look like, especially for the holidays? It's been interesting. So my daughter, she's a sophomore in college. And I honestly think the going back and forth between the two households was part of the reason she wanted to move into the dorms is so she didn't have to do that anymore. Her brother still goes back and forth. We do one week on, one week off, Sunday to Sunday. And for the holidays, we alternate every other year. We get them for Thanksgiving. And if we have them Thanksgiving Day, then she gets them Christmas Day. And we pretty much flip-flop back and forth with those two. But my daughter, even though she doesn't live with either of us full-time anymore, she basically, whenever it comes time to come home for a break, goes wherever her brother is right now. It remains to be seen what is going to happen once they're both 18 and once they both get to make those choices for themselves. If I had to look into my crystal ball, I would probably guess that the whole Thanksgiving Christmas flip-flop will maybe stay the same or maybe they'll come have Christmas morning with us and then they'll spend the second half of Christmas day with her. That way nobody's going a full Christmas day without seeing your kids because that would suck. Um, and actually it did suck. That was what, what we did Christmas this year. It was a little bit quiet and a little bit lonelier than it typically would be. But it's interesting. The older they get, the more flexibility and freedom they realize in their choices. And also they realize some of the consequences in some of those choices. So we're not ever ones to make them feel guilty for wanting to spend time with their mom, but she does not show us the same courtesy oftentimes. You know, whereas the kids might want to spend a couple extra days with her, we say, absolutely, it's your mom. Go ahead. If that's what if that's what makes you happy, have at it. If that goes the other way around, then it's oftentimes, well, you don't want to spend time with me and I haven't seen you in so long and a little bit of a guilt trip. So that's something that will probably come up the older they get and that she's just going to have to learn. You have to let them kind of do their thing. And the more you try to grip onto that, the more they're going to pull away. Kids that are teenagers and young adults, they just are that way. I mean, I have a stepmom and a stepdad and I I went through the same thing and I wanted to push away from the parent who tried to grip onto me the tightest. So, but that it hurts and some of those actions have long-term consequences. So when you're the kid on the giving end of that, you really have to be careful with what you say and how you say it to make sure that, you know, you're not damaging any relationship long-term because of something that temporarily feels right. Yeah, we deal with the exact same thing. And I hadn't even thought, well, of course, when the oldest is outside of the agreement, it would make sense that she's going to want to be with her sister when she's off her break. They're already, even though she's several years out from being in college, talking about how sad they're going to be and how much they're going to miss each other. And then, you know, the next second they're screaming at each other. But that's totally an interesting, uh, you are my crystal ball at this point. (laughs) Oh man, we do not have it all figured out. It's like figure it out as you go. But we still, I mean, both kids, at least as of right now, most of the time enjoy spending time here (laughs) with the normal teenage exception and discipline that needs to come along with that. But that's surely not specific to just step parenthood. That's just teenagers in general. Well, I've got to ask you this, and this will be your answer will be interesting because I don't have a stepson. And so I think this will, my question for you is the clothes piece. Do you guys have a full closet of clothes for him at your house or does he take stuff back and forth? This changed recently, actually. So prior to probably the last year, he had a full wardrobe at our house and a full wardrobe at his mom's house. And he didn't take anything back and forth. He 
literally just himself. And he would take a suitcase, I think, honestly, because he felt obligated to because my daughter was taking a suitcase back and forth. But oftentimes there would be nothing in his suitcase, maybe on occasion, (laughs) like a school book or a piece of paper or an extra pair of shoes. But for the most part, he took nothing back and forth. But recently, the older he gets, the more he's starting to care about his hygiene and how he looks and his hair. And he has products that he uses and clothes that he really prefers. So just in the last maybe even six months, he's really started taking more stuff back and forth. And it's the clothes that he likes to wear. And he likes to wear those clothes here, but also anywhere else. So it's funny to me because he's 16. So you'd think that, I don't know, 16 year olds for the most part don't really care how they look and you have to beg them to shower. And that was true probably up until the last year. So now he's, he's taking a lot more back and forth. Ours has definitely changed over time. When the girls were young, we had some stuff here. They had most of the stuff at their mom's house, but it was almost forced. So, and and there would be lists of anything that came from her house had to be sent back. And if it wasn't sent back, it was, you need to drop this off immediately. And it would be stuff like a t-shirt. So trivial. So it was insane. And it, it was such a tit for tat thing. And it, again, created stress for the kids because they felt like they had to keep track of all of this stuff or they were going to be in trouble. But luckily that's, so we decided we're just going to let them bring everything from their moms. But if she wants to give them lists that they have to track stuff, fine, but we're going to let them at this point, you know, they're teenage girls, they can keep track of their own stuff. And if they forget something, they forget something, we're not going to drop it off, they can get it when they come back, or if they really need it, if it's something for school, or like a piece of clothing that they absolutely love, then of course, we'll wash it and take it back to their mom's house. But I think the more that we haven't played into it, over the years, the better it's gotten. Because we used to, it was such a tit for tat situation. And it was very petty. I hate stuff like that. I really have to dig deep and have read as many books as I possibly can to try to gain empathy for the other side and understand why they do some of those things. And most of the time I come up empty. I just don't, I don't understand it. And it just feels petty and unnecessary. But a good therapist once told me it's it's not your job to understand it. You don't have to understand it in order to just come to terms with the fact that it is what it is. And there's nothing that you can do to change it. So that has given me a little bit of peace and a little bit of comfort. But I would be lying if I said there weren't times where I still was so annoyed by whatever petty thing was happening that was just completely unnecessary. Right. I had a therapist basically tell me the same thing that even though that's not how you would react to something and that's not how you would parent or be in that sort of situation, you have no control over it. So you just kind of have to accept it and let it go. And that was solid advice because the more that we just stop caring about it, because realistically, I was the one helping them pack their stuff back up and scrambling to make sure that everything from the list was in their bag. I just stopped doing it. And I think it was the piece that she knew that I was the one helping them and it was going to create more angst for me. And the less that I played into it, then uh, she just realized it wasn't bothering me and, and stopped. So I think sometimes I need to think about the things that I'm doing that can annoy her and make her want to push back and annoy me. Yeah, there's probably a whole nother episode on that. Actually, <laughs> as you were saying that I just made a note in our podcast collaboration document for things that we do that maybe if they knew about it and if they weren't who they actually are, they would be grateful for. And the things that we do that they just have no idea about to try to accommodate that situation. But that's that's a whole nother, whole nother episode on that one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like 
there's just an unending amount of situations and things that we could dig deep into the vault and remember, and maybe we should just let die. But at least now we can look back on it and say, hey, well, we made it through. And if it can help someone else or be somewhat entertaining, then why not? I mean, if I had to summarize this episode, and I hope that anybody that's listening would take away that everybody has different households. There's no playbook for how you should manage your household and how to not rock the boat with the biological parent in your blended family. But stick to your guns when you feel like it's important. Learn to let things go when it may not be worth fighting for. And we're all kind of in the shit together. Yeah. And teenagers are teenagers. So you can't always take it personally. No doubt. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'm Bailey and this is Elise and we are your Step Monsters and we hope you look forward to joining us again in the future. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 